From Audible, I'm Sam Scholl. From the Washington Post politics section, Mark Fisher writes, A tale of two campaign headquarters. Clinton and Trump offices are miles away and worlds apart. One is a daily carnival watched over by the counterterrorism squad, bulky tufts in plain clothes, and a cast of sign-waving protesters bellowing at one another. The other is a quiet bit of sidewalk in front of a nondescript high-rise surrounded by $3 million condos and a slew of government offices. Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton set up their national campaign headquarters seven miles apart from each other. The journey from a showman's gleaming showplace to a tired old building where Brooklynites have their blood work done is a mere 25-minute ride on the number 5 Lexington Avenue Express. But like the candidates themselves, the nerve centers of the two campaigns could hardly be more different. And that goes for the voters gathered outside them, too. The sidewalk outside Trump Tower is teeming with people who believe the country is close to the edge, barely kept from going under. Outside Clinton's offices at 1 Pierpont Plaza, there is no crowd, and the people on the street show no enthusiasm. They're not particularly with her or with him. Ron Slay, taking his lunch break in the leafy Brooklyn Park, hasn't seen any evidence of the Clinton campaign's presence. That's pretty much what you'd expect from Clinton. She's quiet. He's in the limelight. He's sensationalism, and she's somebody a lot of people don't like, so she's laying low. Slay 70, a college administrator who got jazzed about Bernie Sanders' campaign earlier this year, feels like maybe he should vote for Clinton, just because I'm scared of Donald Trump. But then he'll find himself flirting with a third-party protest vote. Why should I vote for Clinton just to stop someone? Why should I let them force me to make a negative vote? And then again, he'll think about how Trump always seemed to get things done in New York. Repairing the Central Park ice skating rink, lickety-split, and under budget when the city government had failed to do so. Slay talks through his options for the umpteenth time, and after 20 minutes, he is no closer to a decision. Seven miles away, no one is talking through any situation for 20 minutes. More like 20 seconds of yelling, finger-pointing, and good old New York-style dismissive arm waves. A guy shaking a Trump-Pence sign shouts about George Soros, the Opium Wars, and, for some reason, Franklin Roosevelt's grandfather. Beneath the shouting, there is one area of agreement. The conversations at home have gotten too volatile, too troubling, and many people say they've had to cut off all talk of politics. We just don't discuss it anymore, says Priscilla Allen, a visitor from Dallas who stopped by Trump Tower in search of campaign buttons. My husband is vehemently pro-Trump, and my son is even more conservative, but my daughter is more liberal, and she thinks Trump is crazy. Allen believes Trump is the worst person we could have selected. The business with him and those women, well, you don't talk like that if you haven't done it. Yet, she supports him because Hillary is dishonest. But I wouldn't call her that to her face, like he does. She shakes her head. All she could get in the building were a couple of bumper stickers, which makes her wonder. He's probably not going to win, because he doesn't know how to run a campaign, Alan says. It's a shame, the whole thing, a shame. On the same sidewalk, the same sentiment, from the opposite direction. We have friends we got into it with, and we agreed not to get together again till after the election says Mike Reynolds, a recently retired oil and gas sales manager from the Denver area. It's kind of scary how much they hate Hillary. I don't get that. The last eight years have been great. Real estate's better. My 401k's great. What's there to complain about? There's nothing that could make me vote for him. His daughter Kelly, a New York nurse, says she's had to unfollow Clinton-hating Facebook friends who were posting a cascade of locker-up diatribes. Yet father and daughter maintain that all this animosity... Even the blood-curdling shouting they're watching in front of Trump Tower will likely drift away once the campaign finally ends. Try telling that to Barbara Smucker and Amelia Arcamone Macanano, regulars on this sidewalk who have never spoken to each other. 
Smucker comes into the city from Levittown, Long Island, three days a week to stand in front of Trump Tower, waving her hand-drawn sign, Trump will destroy America. Macanano stands 30 feet away, holding an oversized American flag. She has a sticker that says, Hillary for prison, 16. Even if Clinton wins handily, Smucker says, Trump and Giuliani and all of them aren't going away. We're so divided and Trump is spreading hate. People I know are unfriending everyone who disagrees with them about Trump. When the Trump people yell at me, give me the finger, I just don't get into debates with them. I just stand and hold my sign. Macanano, a retired public school teacher who lives in Queens, campaigned for Clinton in 2008 but has come to believe that the former Secretary of State is a criminal. It's a view Macanano says she cannot express at her union meetings because we're so outnumbered and they boo anyone who's not for Hillary. Living in New York, Macanano says the only place she feels safe talking about her admiration of Trump is at home with her husband. My friends and I don't talk about politics. It's the only way we can be friends.